I took a class in college that was like, half of it was about like diegetic versus non-diegetic things in media. It was like a COM 10, not two, it was like 144 or something. It was a 100 level COM class. It was a freshman. The weirdest professor I ever had. Hello. This is the Android Police Podcast, recorded May 12th, 2022. My name is Daniel Bader, and uh, this week is all about Google I.O. The keynote was yesterday. It was long. It was full. It was the fullest keynote that I can remember in years. It had Google services. It had AI. It had, it, it had hardware, so much hardware, and it had a bunch of Android stuff. So we have a very short amount of time to dig into as much of that as possible. To my virtual right, I think you are, Ara, is Ara Wagner. Hello. Welcome back. Hello. I didn't actually think the keynote was super long because like, they had long. so much to go through that it didn't feel as long if you were just watching. I really needed to pee by the end of it is all I remember. <laughs> hey, if you don't prep accordingly, that's on you. So this week, I'm very happy to announce a new co-host of the AP podcast, Will Saddleberg. Hello. Hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, so, Will, you are a senior editor with Android Police. You've been around for, how, is it two years now? No, not, not no, even? it's like a, a little year? over a year. Yeah. You joined shortly before I did yeah. in 2021. There is no before me, obviously, so I don't remember <laughs> anything before that. But um, tell people a little bit about yourself before we jump in, because uh, you have a storied podcast hosting history, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Actually, right before I, I joined Android Police, I, I entered a podcasting competition that you can look up called America's Next Top Podcaster, hosted by some uh, podcast people that I follow or used to follow and, and kind of know online. A couple like XCNet people are on it, involved with it. So, so it's it's tech adjacent. It kind of ran through when I started at Android Police, but I ended up winning. Um, and since then, I've been kind of with some of the hosts of that working on like various shows either as a writer and a producer or uh, i'm actually working on my own show right now in terms of like uh it's about movies it's going to be about like a, an in-depth look into like the musical biopic genre and in, in terms of like its rise and fall and rise again uh so that'll be out next month that's what i've been doing in when my did it spare fall time uh <laughs> so this is i guess this is spoilers but basically you have the one-two punch in the mid-2000s of ray yeah. and mm. walk the line so good right and then you have walk hard two years later which flops but also like demolishes like it it goes so hard into like making fun of the tropes of that genre that like those movies vanish for like five or six years and you don't really get another big one until straight out of compton basically in 2015 and then it kind of comes back with what was that remember that movie with uh andy samberg yeah i mean Another great example of that, also another bomb, uh, unfortunately, but that movie's really funny. But yeah, and then, you know, the heights of Bohemian Rhapsody making a billion dollars, like it's it's such a bad back movie, such a bad bigger movie. than ever. Yeah, it's not good. Just watch In the Heights, you'll be fine. <laughs> but, you know, I, I love podcasting and uh, this is a little bit more freeform than what I've been working in, which should be uh, a little more fun and relaxed. Cause yeah, because Google I.O. is totally fun and relaxed. <laughs> I, That's exactly did you guys not have your yesterday. feet? It was like vacation yesterday. I had like a, a drink in my hand all day, stress drinking. <sighs> yeah, exactly. All day. Stress coffee injections. 
Um, where to start? So I think we'll start with software. We'll start with the stuff Sundar Pichai came on stage to announce. There's just the, the cadence of a Google I.O. keynote is, is very familiar every year, even though this is the first time since 2019 that they've been on stage live. Uh, with an audience back at Shoreline, but it, you know, it just it did feel pretty familiar, right? The live demos, the kind of stilted scripts, uh, more so this year, I think, than in previous years. I, I was, I feel like everybody was nervous to get all the live demos perfect because the stakes were a bit higher. Maybe I, I'm not sure, but yeah, it just it felt like the last two years were canned, and this year was like, okay, we have to make the experience as seamless, but they were still doing live demos. We'll start with this multi-search feature that I, I think is is a really interesting addition to Google's marriage of mobile, which is the new frontier for advertising, the new frontier for all of Google services, as well as Google search, the, the core money generator, the revenue generator for the company still. A couple months ago, they announced multi-search in general, which is this idea that you use your phone's camera to take a photo of something and then add textual information to make the search stronger and to narrow down the scope. This is building on that with something called local multi-search. And, and Ara, why don't you explain a little bit about what that is and, and how it'll work? Well, say, for instance, you could take a picture of a dress and you could do a lens search of the dress and type in the word like purple or green and get results of that dress in the other color or similar dresses in that other color. Multi-search, what they showed at Google I.O. just took it so far beyond that because the demo that they had was showing, it was a not greatly explained demo, but the demo that they had was looking for a chocolate bar for somebody without nuts, which could be an actual thing that people need because a lot of people have nut allergies and trying to find the best kind of chocolate. Uh, you could hold your phone up to the shelves and Google would have actual like point values and scores for which chocolate bars were better and which ones did and did not meet your criteria. Right. I don't think that's going to work that well on any store shelf in America unless you have a flagship quality phone because let's be real, the biggest issue with even with regular Google Lens search and whatnot, the biggest issue with any of those is actually having a clear enough picture of all of the packaging in order to have it work. And I'm not entirely sure how well that's going to work, considering usually in a grocery store, there's tons of things all together, and you're going to want to try and get as wide as possible. And that's just not going to work out. But I think the, I think ID the knowledge was, graph here is is what Google is going to kind of rely on. The fact that there just is so much information to work with. There are so many photos of every product and every, you know, known thing on the internet and that the ability for your phone's camera to take a clear, sharp photo is something that you can take for granted today, regardless of how expensive that device was. It's ambitious. I don't know how big the, the pickup is going to be, but given how I use lens now, when I don't even realize I'm doing it, I use it with in Google Photos all the time. Usually it's to identify f flora or fauna, I guess we'll say, but that to me has been something I just don't even think about anymore. I just do it. And I think this is one of those features that obviously it's commerce focused. So this example here, I broke my, my faucet hose. I need to buy a new one. I take a photo of it and I add replacement hose near me. It looks like, like it has the photo of the thing so I can identify the brand, take me 
to Home Depot, you know, identify the product or whatever, that just makes so much sense from a commerce engine perspective. And obviously with Google making just money off of the advertising, right? You can see them selling sponsorships at the top of those listings, et cetera, uh, or just getting a commission for a sale put through. This is just a natural extension of that ability to take a photo of something and, and, and leverage Google's knowledge graph. Obviously, advertising is a big part of this, um, of a big part of Google's privacy conversation. Um, Google has been trying to find a way to prevent advertisers from tracking you across the internet. It's built a, a new tool to replace Flock for that. It's rolling out over the next few years, although most browsers don't care. Can we call it a replacement to Flock considering Flock like basically never existed? Never, well, like guess, nobody uh, ever used it. You're right. It's called Topics. It's it's similar but different. We won't get into it today because we don't have time. But Google actually announced um, something called an ad center, my ad center, that users, you and I, will be able to access that will give you a much more streamlined and visual place to adjust how you see ads across Google services. It's actually a really, in hindsight, kind of an obvious thing right? You're like, of course, Google should give you more control over the ads you see. But more and more, I think people are trying to find a way to at least pretend they have control over the ads that they see online. And if not actual control, then at least like, I don't want to see ads about this thing. So the My Ad Center gives you big photos of topics that you might see ads for, you know, energy, food, audiobooks, whatever, like these are the topics that you care about. And those ads will be based on the topics that you want to see more or less of. So I don't know. I, I think this is a really good idea. Um, is well, it available? They already do it. Well, they do it now, but it's not nearly as visual. Yeah, no. Yeah. Here's the thing. They're just making it easier for people to get to, but you can delete certain topics from your feed. You can, uh, they're, they currently only have five categories that are way at the bottom of the uh, screen that you can say, I don't want to see ads for these. And it's gambling, alcohol, pregnancy, and God, what was the other two? Alcohol, dating, gambling, pregnancy, and weight loss. Ah, there you go. I only remember it because I turned off. And they're the adding for to that. But yeah. I mean, if you go to adsettings.google.com right now, it's just literally a an endless list of topics that it thinks you care about. And it's not accessible. It's not. It's not enjoyable to use. And I'm guessing most people don't know this exists. So they probably don't. My ad settings, my ad center rather. It it just feels like a more cohesive product. Oh, absolutely. It's a it's a needed refresh. I also just wish Google would communicate that they have the tools right now. It's not a oh you need to wait months for this new tool. Talk about how you can turn these things off right now or turn off topics that you don't have an interest in or refine things. Although for a lot of people, having topics that they don't actually care about in their ad topics just means that there's more ads that won't apply to them and they're easier to scroll past. Let's move on because I want to get through as many of these. There were so many announcements. Will, you can now look and talk to Google Assistant on your Nest yeah. Hub Max. What does that mean? Because this, I think, is going to be a big deal. It's a popular product. It's not a super popular product in the in the vein of like a an Amazon Echo, but I think a lot of people own the Nest Hub Max. It's a very beloved product for people who do. So what exactly is Look and Talk here? So Look and Talk, like at its core, 
is allowing you to bypass saying, hey, Google, if you have a, a Nest Hub Max, uh, and it has to be a Max because it needs the camera. And so it's doing exactly what the name sounds like, which is that it when you look at the Nest Hub, uh, it sees you looking at it and it starts listening. I, I think it has like a little, yeah, the assistant logo shows up in the corner and it basically is like, okay, now you can talk to me and, and you don't have to use any kind of wake word, which is great because hey Google sucks like it it um like it, it's not fun to say it activates i probably just activated everyone i was gonna say smart devices i said it and i was like oh, i regret it i shouldn't <laughs> have said that um but you know like how many of us have like gotten sick of saying that and like i i use my devices less because i don't find using the wake words enjoyable and and uh, google has never let you change it i know amazon has like a little bit of flexibility on alexa's wake word and like with google it's just either hey or okay and that's the only change so with this it's limited to start obviously because it's only on the nest up max right now but like i think this is like them kind of finally realizing that people don't love saying hey google to activate assistant but also you do need a wake word because you can't just have it actively listening all the time um well it's going to be actively listening all the time like like Mm. actively like recording every conversation basically because like that's not great privacy wise well this won't fix that because it's still it still has to listen it's a matter of it processes the sound recognizes right. the code word isn't there and then deletes that little bit of right. recording but it needs a way to start doing that and and you looking at it is much more like seamless than you having to say something wait for the chime and then start actually saying what you want to say oh i don't wait for the chime and well, most of the time, the speakers that I have, like, I will I will just say this fast, okay, yeah. G, turn off all the lights. And Yeah, it, it's still, this still feels a little more natural, you know what I mean? Like, there's no need to think about, like, okay, I want to do this action, so I have to say, hey, G, and then do the thing. Even if you're saying it in one breath, like, you just have to say, like, turn off the lights, and it, they turn off the lights, and you're good. Look, I, I mean, I think the reality here is that just like any security and privacy feature, Google is trying to reach a compromise. You know, first it moved all the processing on device, so nothing is going through the cloud. A lot of this is done through the camera or the Nest Hub Max's ultrasonic sensor. It's possible to keep the microphone working all the time. It's plugged in. It's not like it's battery powered. So this right. is about how much can you deal with Google constantly listening to your conversations in exchange for not having to say the hot word, right? Well, and they're just moving they're moving that slider a, a little ways across to make it easier for people that are willing to somewhat lower their privacy settings in order to be to, right. to increase their convenience. And I, and I remember when they added the ability just to say stop when an alarm goes is going off, right? As opposed to, hey, G, stop, right? That to me was a game changer. And that is something that like, obviously the microphone is constantly going during that period, right? right? So yeah, I, I think this is the right move. It's giving people more control. All right, last thing in this list I wanna talk about, Google announces AI-powered document summaries in Google Docs. This was so under the radar and yet it got so, i mean under the radar in the sense that like it's it's seemingly just not a huge thing but it got the biggest applause during the event and i think i know why right because so many people live and breathe in google docs this is 
giving docs the ability to basically hand over a document to Google and use every bit of machine learning and AI at its disposal to parse it and pull out the quote important tidbits to build a summary and be able to hand it over to a colleague or whatever. I don't know. I think this is very, very interesting, especially if it's going to work. I don't care how it works so much as this is a TLDR for literally anything you put into Google Docs. And I can see that ending up being an either really, really awkward thing if it gets it wrong or a really, really useful thing if it gets it right. But this is just going to be such a time saver considering how many of us get sent 20 or 30 page documents sometimes and have to be like, I literally do not have time to go through all these background documents within 24 hours. Like, come on, guys. So having this is going to be very helpful, especially if you're dealing with collaborative projects where things might change often and if you're having to deal with lengthy files. Yeah, exactly. All right. I want to hear from you, listener, what your favorite announcements during this time, during the software section of the keynote was. Send it to podcast at androidpolice.com. There were way more. There were Google Maps announcements, a lot of AR stuff, a lot of dev stuff as well that we didn't have time to get to, but I definitely want to hear it. Will, you're going to talk us through Android 13 Beta 2. It launched only a a couple weeks after the first beta, uh, cleaned up a lot of cruft. There was a lot of Android stuff, so take it away. Yeah, beta two is actually pretty easy to summarize because there's not like a ton new in it. And that's almost becoming the theme because even beta one was not a huge jump over the first two developer previews. Unlike last year where Android 12 was a big redesign, like overhaul, uh, this is really building on on two pillars which is one really doubling down on personalization and kind of making up for the shortcomings that material you had last year and then two is is a focus on privacy and, and security which is maybe not flashy like last year's update but it, it's welcome this beta also fixed a couple things most notably the per-app language settings that we were playing with in developer preview two i think uh, are back which is good uh they were missing in beta one There's still a couple bugs, but it's like mostly kind of like beta one. It's mostly uh, usable, to be honest, on on a daily driver, even with some caveats. But but yeah, uh, beta two, (laughs) like not not that this is a big, serious thing, but they've like changed the media player again. And I can't get over it because I think it's so much worse than what they already quick, quick, quick mute Ara's microphone because she's just going to swear. I am so (laughs) Ara and I are on the same page on this, though. We're both going to yell about this. Yeah. They made the progress bar smaller, which it's already not a huge thing that you drag your finger across if you're trying to get back to a certain amount or forward a certain amount. Yeah. And what pisses me off the most is that YouTube music went back to having the thumbs down and thumbs up and the notification. And I'm sorry, that is a waste of space. I already like all my music. That's why I'm listening to it. The song info also is slightly harder to read now, depending on your album art. Nothing that was changed from beta one to beta two had a positive impact. Except for the animation that they added when you go to the next song or previous or start the song over. Because now it actually animates it going, winding back to the beginning of the song. I am curious if this isn't a bug because they showed the player on stage yesterday, you know, 20 minutes before beta two dropped and it was the beta one player. So like, I am a little hesitant to be completely outraged until like beta three launches or uh, Google. I reached out to Google and and didn't hear back about whether or not this was going to get changed back. But right now it's like noticeably worse than what they showed off on stage yesterday. 
Well, I remember reporting bugs about the controls I'm now playing, so maybe yeah. they... Pu- All the controls are now together, the five buttons next to each other and easy to see. That might have been something they did for the beta while they double-check bugs for other parts of the widget. But at the same time, guys, come on, it's just ugly. Put it back. Put it back. But yeah, I mean, outside of beta stuff, there was a bunch of other Android Google news and, and Google Apps news. There was a big focus on tablets. So they announced that there were, what, 1 billion new Android devices in the last year, I think, and then 270 million active tablets or what they call large screen devices, which... Okay, let's just take this in context, right? There were a billion new Android devices added last year, right? The last time Google did that announcement was 2021, where it said there were 3.5 billion Android devices in use, Mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. So you can now infer that there are four and a half billion or close to 270 million large screen Android devices in total is very, very small. Right. Well, yes. And especially because does that include so. like foldables? Does that include like? Does that include Chromebooks? I really yeah. want to know because Google Play activations is how they measure this, and every yeah. Chromebook activates Google Play. So. Yes. Right. Also, th- I mean, yes, this is only for Google Play activated devices, so it doesn't take into account like Fire tablets and stuff. So obviously, there are millions more of those, plus right. the Chinese market and and all the third party app stores. But still, like. The fact that Google is bragging about that number, plus that it, they're they're bragging about the fact that they added twenty new tablet yeah. optimized apps to for, yeah. like Google optimized apps, like it's just embarrassing. Twenty twenty two. It is embarrassing <laughs> considering that Honeycomb was released in twenty eleven. I was in high school in twenty eleven. <laughs> like that's how long ago that was. This time, twenty eleven, because it was honeycomb, and then ice cream sandwich. Ice cream sandwich. Brought, yeah, yeah. I was like, ICS. Yeah, I was like, what's that stand for? So yeah, that was that was uh, late twenty eleven. Oh my god, man, we're so old. <laughs> okay, so a billion new devices in the last year, though. That's that's a lot considering there was a slowdown in the smartphone market. So well, again, this is Google Play activated devices. I'm not sure how much of that. Oh, I don't know. A billion new activations is great, but it also doesn't say how many devices were taken off, like how many active billion devices there are right now or monthly from Google. Because the activations is cool, but what I care about more is how many are actually in active use uh, in any given month. Or receiving updates. That's another That's another yeah. stat that yeah. I don't think Google wants to admit. Well... You would have to define updates as being either the security, the platform, or the Google Play updates. Because yeah, no, they're Google, not getting any Google Play of them. delivers <laughs> updates. <laughs> they're not getting any of them. That's true. I mean, Google the Google Play services updates are significant. Yes, and we have Project Mainline these days. Mm-hmm. All right, Will. What's next? Uh, I mean, I would love to talk about Android Auto because it's finally getting uh, a redesign that I've been uh, asking for for months because uh, I think it leaked back in January. And what was this like, called again? What was the code name? It was for Cool it? Walk was the was right. the code name? Right. Um, I don't know if it has an official. No, no, no. Like okay. I, I don't think, think they so. just refer to it as split screen mode. But it it's it's essentially a hub uh, for Android Auto that will show you navigation and media playback and notifications, specifically like phone calls and and messages as they come in on one screen, uh, which really brings Android Auto up to par with what iOS is doing, which they've had like a very similar split screen mode for 
a couple years now and it's really useful because like it it actually like means you don't need to touch the screen in your car as much which is good for safety you can glance and see everything on one screen without having to move between pages which is even on like a, a dashboard in a car like not safe when you're driving generally speaking so yeah i this is coming uh they said just in time for summer which i guess is a maybe a road trip thing so hopefully in the next few weeks because summer is not too far away but i'm really excited for this i think this is exactly what auto needs to kind of keep up with the competition yeah. Well, I'm just so happy that this puts most of the controls on the driver's side of the interface. Oh, yeah. And I really hope that this uh, the side that has that info flips, depending on whether or not you're in a left-hand drive car or a right-hand drive car. Because I don't like touching my screen, but if I have to touch the screen, I definitely do not want to have to reach over to the far side of the screen to tap something or dismiss something. So putting all of those on the left side while the directions that I need to see and they need to be nice and big, but I'm probably not going to touch them unless it's like, okay, this traffic jam is too bad. How else can I get home? Would it just use your phone's default language? Like if it's UK English, everything's on the opposite side? It talks to your car. I I, I, I kid, but I honestly, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> it depends on if you have it built in or not, but... But I mean, it talks to your car because it knows your car is in park. I'm certain there is a way that it could be like, okay, even if it's just geofenced or something like, oh, you're in America, y'all drive on the left. Oh, yeah, you're in London, y'all I mean, drive on the right. Mm. Might be a setting too. Do you just like a toggle? I, I, yeah. I don't think this is something that Google has overlooked. If it is, then I'd be I'd be very surprised. But yeah, this is I'm very excited about this. I I love Android Auto. It's one of those things where Android Auto is so far ahead of CarPlay in so many ways that my wife has an iPhone, I have a Galaxy S whatever or, or Pixel, I will go out of my way to connect my phone to the car, even if we're just using Google Maps, because I enjoy using Android Auto far more than CarPlay. Yeah. In fact, we have an Android Auto versus CarPlay article up on the website right now if you want to go read it. Okay, there was a ton of hardware, Ara, more hardware than we anticipated. We weren't sure what was going to be announced it was an onslaught. Let's go through it, starting with, uh, I think, the Pixel 6a, because that makes the most sense. It's coming in July. And I mean, it's the phone I'm the most excited about. It's like, that's my least favorite thing about the Pixel 6a. Everybody's raising hell about the headphone jack. Y'all need to shut up about that, by the way. This phone needed to come out in June, not July. Or heck, most of the case makers have their cases on sale today. They were expecting this phone to be on sale. And I'm sure that this is a shipping or global component shortage, whatever, because we cannot have nice things anymore. But this phone needed to come out earlier than this. If you're going to have to hold it, I get holding it till July so it can launch with the Pixel Buds Pro. But at the same time, the Pixel 5a launched in August. Having this one launch in June, so that way then next year, the Pixel 7a can launch at I.O. again and we can get back on that track. That's what we needed. But more importantly, we need this phone as quickly as possible. Because the further away the 6A is from the Pixel 7 series, the less confusion there will be overall. Yeah. But I'm very happy to see that we're getting Tensor. I'm less excited about the fact that they're giving us the old camera sensors because I'm sorry, guys, you're paying for the same number of parts. It's not that hard to just keep the same chipset and the same camera set so that way you're not having to reprogram the camera stuff to deal with Tensor. Because this is going to be the first time that Tensor has been used with the old Pixel cameras. I'm less worried about that 
especially now that the Pixel 6s are on a good footing. Yeah. Yeah. Like if this yeah. was released at the same time as the Pixel 6s, I would be more worried. But since the March update, I feel like the Pixel 6s have had most of their issues ironed out. Plus the fact that Google just has so much experience with these older camera sensors. I don't know. I'm 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 pretty confident this won't be a train wreck. I'm pretty confident of that too. I was still holding out hope we get wireless charging. Doesn't look like it. But it's still $450, which is great. And it's smaller than the Pixel 6, which is also great because it looks like the Pixel 7 is still going to be large. And then Wait, the there's Pro a Pixel will be 7? gargantuan. Yes, there is really? a Pixel 7 and they gave us a full look at it already. I hang don't on, know what on, we're going to talk about this summer. Stay on the 6A for a second, okay? The fact that okay. this is smaller... So, as you mentioned, it's a smaller Pixel 6 with a flat display, a 1080p panel, right? Like, this is a good thing, even though it's only 60 hertz. I'm kind of bummed it didn't go up to 90 hertz, but it's an OLED. I know you're not, because you're (laughs) weird. But, like, I feel like this is taking the best of the 5A, which was a monster of a phone, right? The battery life for days, all that good stuff, just translating it into the... Pixel 6's design language, sticking with what works. I'm expecting battery for days here. Well, Google said it's going to last three days. And I'm like, oh, we're, we'll see about that. We'll see. On, on extreme battery saver mode. That was the 72 hours number was on like a specific mode. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm extremely excited about not necessarily using this because I already have a Pixel 6, but yeah. recommending this phone because remember, the 5A was only released in two countries, and my country wasn't one of them. This is going to be released wider. It's still not yeah. super wide for the country list, though, although India is getting the 6A, and that is important because that market has not seen a new Pixel in years. So I'm very excited about that. And yes, I'm. this is needed, and this is the Pixel that most people actually should buy instead of the 7 and 7 Pro this fall, because... Yeah, I know. We all want the latest and greatest phone. The The Pixel 6a is going to be the most practical Pixel there is. You're still going to get 95% of the Pixel features, and it's going to be a phone that will last longer and is more pocket-friendly, more everything-friendly. Wait, you said that this is coming to India. Where does it say that? That was on the country list for it, I thought. Mm-mm. No, it's not here. Not in the official listing on the Google support pages. Wait, so was that for the 7 then? Maybe. Because I thought the 6A was coming to... The only difference between the 6 Pro, 6, and 6A is Puerto Rico. So it's Australia, Canada, France, Germany, Ireland, Italy, Japan, Puerto Rico, Singapore, Spain, Taiwan, UK, and US. Now I'm confused because I could have sworn we were getting it in India because we were discussing it this morning. Hmm. It's possible the list is incomplete, but on the official support page, that does not... It doesn't align. Anyway, we'll we'll continue looking and move on. Yes. What's next? Well, we did this Pixel 6a, and let's move on to the the big brothers for it, the Pixel 7 and the Pixel 7 Pro. Um, oh, my God. We got a- Cylon. Hmm? Cylon. Yes. I really think you should take a look at the other battles I'm sorry. I couldn't do that. It, it looks like Hal and Cylons and Robocop and everything. Like, I really want there to be, like, a little red notification LED going back and across the bottom of it, like, kit, uh, from, like, Knight Rider. Oh, that would be cool. Right? But at the same time, we're sticking to the back, and I'm... A lot of people are confused or unhappy with the fact that they've gone to, okay, it's an aluminum bar and we just have the holes for the cameras. 
A, that means that we're going to have less problems with light refraction and weird halos on our pictures. And B, it also means that it's going to be harder for somebody to like hit the back of your phone and it causes the entire glass and plastic over the back of your phone to break and ruin your cameras. So I'm perfectly happy with this. We can make all the pop culture references for how it looks that we want. This was a good move. I think it looks better generally, especially that that like gray and bronze one. I like really like the look of that. Yeah, I, the the pewter and gold. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. That colorway looks interesting. I don't know how to feel about that like super lime green. I guess they're called. Oh, oh what was the color they called it for the uh, Pixel Buds Pro? But they have a matching Pixel 7. And I'm not sure how to it's feel lemon, about it. L- limoncello, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, I think so, yeah. And yeah, that's like, it's granted, we've had like neon colors on Pixel phones before. Like we had that, lav- uh, like we've had the Lavender 3A with that neon yellow button. We've had light blue on, that was the Pixel Oh, sorry, the limoncello 4A. was incorrect. That was the leaked name. The official name from Google was Lemongrass. So I'm not that's sure what funny. happened there. Limoncello sounds better, but you'd also expect more yellow in it. And this is green. Yeah. I mean, it could have just been a fake out. That may have just been the stand-in or or a temporary name. Lemongrass definitely sounds more googly than limoncello. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. The sizes of the 7 and 7 Pro were not confirmed, but they look about the same size as the Pixel 6 and the Pixel 6 Pro. And that's kind of a bummer because the Pixel 6 is kind of large. And I wish that they would have a bigger size distinction between the 7 and the 7 Pro, but that's what the 6A is apparently going to be for. They confirmed that it's going to be a next generation of the Google Tensor chip, whether that's called Tensor 2 or if we get into some weird naming scheme, because all processors have weird naming schemes, remains to be seen. But I'm cautiously optimistic, but at the same time, it's four months away, so them showing us what it looks like is just like the least that they can do, and it just means that we have one less thing to see leaks of and talk about from now until October. And I'm happy for that. Mm. Well, they announced it early last year, too. And there's plenty of times for for leaks and well, other. Yeah. they announced it last year early because the leaks just got so bad. This year, they just did it early. And we're just like, you know what? We're going to do it ourselves. We're not going to wait for somebody else to put it all out there first. Ryan wrote a piece earlier this year about how all he wants from a Pixel 7 is a Pixel 6s. This idea that all it needs to do is be a better, more stable, slightly more mature version of what Google released in 2021. And it really does seem like that's exactly what we're going to get. Yeah. And I'm all for that. I just wish the smaller one would be actually smaller. Yeah. But again, if you want to, this is not unique to Google. Like if you want a smaller phone, you get a lesser phone. That is just the trend that is pervading the industry. I know that was I think that was the first editorial I ever wrote as a paid writer was about us needing more small flagship phones. Right. And that was in 2014. So things haven't really changed in eight years. No, things have not changed at all. So these look like iterative updates. So if we're going to go on the list of things that they announced at Google I.O. hardware wise, the Pixel 7 is actually at the bottom of the list for me. Wait, second to last. I didn't care about the tablet. And we'll get to that in a minute. But the Pixel 7 and Pixel 7 Pro look totally expected. The only Mm -hmm. things that seemed out of place to me was that, oh, we have a consistent, neutral, nature-inspired color palette. And that was the biggest thing for me. So I'm, I don't know. Pixel 7 is great. It's also one of those things of I 
I don't care until they can actually tell me what's inside of it and how well it's going to work. And they can't tell me that for another four months. So yeah, that's something they can talk about a little quicker is going to be the uh, Pixel Buds Pro, because those are going to come out in July at the same time that the Pixel 6a does. The same day, I, in fact, Ju- yes. July 28th. Yes. And I am so excited for that because the Pixel Buds are the best fitting earbuds I have ever worn. Correct. And these look like they're not going to have the little wingtips which is a bummer because i really really liked those but these look like they're going to fit very well in a wide variety of ears these while these are larger than the previous generations they look like they are designed to fit better into your uh, into small ears as well as large and that is a big thing for me because i endured like weeks of cartilage pain to get my xm4s to fit um but we're finally getting pixel buds with active noise canceling but we're still going to be able to avoid that like sealed underwater feeling because Pixel is bringing back the pressure sensors and silent seal. Although we're not getting the same exact spatial event because we're getting active noise canceling. So I'm super excited for that. They're going to be $200, which I'm also excited for because these are going to be a very interesting competitor to, as I mentioned, the Sony XM4s or maybe we'll be on XM5s by the time it comes out. But I'm super excited for these. I might actually spend my own money on these because. Uh, which is going to be hard for me because I don't like spending money on things that I already have a competent working version of. I am more excited about these than any other Google product announced yesterday, which says a lot about me and how much I use earbuds, but you nailed it. Like I've used the Pixel Buds A-series more than any other earbud of the last year since they were released, even though they don't have a lot of the features that I take for granted in premium earbuds, just because they're so comfortable and they work so consistently well this brings a couple of new things silent seal which i'm not really sure how that's going to work in practice it's basically this idea that it will adjust the pressure in your ear to accommodate your ear shape and and canal size as well as adjusting volume and things like that although this does not have adaptive sound which is what google used to lower and raise the volume automatically in the second gen Pixel Buds, this will have something called Volume EQ, which adjusts the equalization as you raise and lower the volume of the earbuds. So it's a little bit of a different trick, but because there's full transparency mode, you don't need adaptive sound. And it's weird to say this because I didn't actually realize it until I wrote this article, but neither of the previous Pixel Buds had a transparency mode. Well, they didn't need them. Well, the Pixel Buds A series might have needed them. The, yeah, they the did need them. Tw- Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, a good transparency mode is very important. Yeah. But the Pixel Buds second gen, the the first wireless ones, they had the spatial vents. You could still hear what was going on around you because it was still being piped directly into your ear. And that's how you avoided the underwater feeling because it wasn't a full seal. Yeah. It didn't need full transparency mode. Disclaimer, I absolutely hate transparency mode. I oh, turned well, it off as quick saying? as possible. No, you're, you're just wrong. <laughs> No, I'm joking. But I mean, I love the transparency mode. Good ear. Well, here's the thing for me. I learned to hate them in the era before they were actually fast enough to be instantaneous. Right, right, right. On the Pixel Buds Pro, they actually probably will be instantaneous and you won't really notice it. Yeah. You've never used it on like AirPods Pro or something. Uh, No, I've only used it on Samsung earbuds. And even then, it was not not a great experience. So yeah, no, I'm super excited to see whether or not there's a transparency mode that will actually work because actually taking out my earbuds in order to hear cast members when I'm walking around Walt Disney World is not a great thing, but I do it because I need to protect my hearing and it is too loud. The buds look 
like exactly what we wanted, except for I we don't know whether or not it's only going to be a tap interface or if we're going to get the swipe gestures. Back. You will, you will. I saw it on the on the official listing. You get the swipe as well. Yes. Okay, that's all I needed because those are the best interface controls for wireless earbuds on the market. Agreed. Like more companies need to steal that. It works so well. All right, we'll review these and talk about them more in the coming weeks. Let's move on. Talk about. The watch, it exists. It exists, and we will get it this fall. Oh, yeah, man. that's a bummer. We're going to get it in Q4. That's... I love how they say the fall, but no, we're, we're not going to get this until either the end of October or November, which is the end of the year, essentially. It's as late as you can announce something and still buy it for Christmas. There's a lot of interesting things. The animation for how the bands are going to snap in makes a lot of sense now, but I still absolutely despise the fact that we are getting stuck with proprietary bands. And can we talk about bezels? Because those did not look great. Yeah, so I uh, I have wanted wearables on Android to succeed since 2014. Like I owned the first and second gen Moto 360, and the flat tire design didn't even bother me on those, to be honest. Like, that's how forgiving I am of, like, weird bezels on, on wearables. This is, like, terrible. I'm not even someone who's sensitive about this stuff, but, like, why is it so wide? Like, I, I actually don't understand what we're doing with this device in, like, 2022. Yeah. Although I will say, going back to the first Moto 360, because, yeah, I, I had that, too, and I, I wore it into the ground. Yeah, um, same. The flat tire worked because it was only on one edge. It didn't so bother me at all. You weren't yeah. actually, you didn't pay attention to it. You paid attention to the screen. Right. And here it's all around the screen. So it's going to always be visible because that is space that is on your wrist that is not being used for anything productive, but you can't get rid of. Well, and everything about this feels like they're coming for the Apple Watch more than anything else, which is weird because Apple Watch isn't on Android, but whatever. Like the bands look exactly like the Apple Watch bands. The crown looks exactly like the crown. It, it literally, to me, just looks like a round Apple Watch. And yet, like you look at the Apple Watch, like what we got last year with the Series 7, and it's like the bezels are so minimal that like the screen now curves like around yes. the, like like. It, it, it's it's the exact opposite of this it, to the point where it's like okay well like i kind of prefer the round design over the square design because it's more like a traditional watch but also like i'd almost rather take the square design with like very little bezels if any than what we're dealing with here i mean i almost want to find a case to put around the pixel watch to cover the bezels and put on like some oh god gold filigree or silver <laughs> filigree and make it look more like a traditional watch because it begs to be used in some shape or form because this is just kind of useless but at the same time the watch itself we didn't really see much of how it was going to do anything we yeah. barely got any look at it in action at all fitbit is their big thing for it which makes again like no sense because you're launching this at the end of the year and you're completely missing the summer where everyone is outside using fitness trackers and like yeah. being active like what why how did you miss that i don't know i mean the biggest thing is that this is probably going to be the first watch that has quote unquote the new wear os in full because we've had wear os 3 on the galaxy watch 4 but it's the samsungized version of it but it's supposed to come to Wear OS 2 watches this summer, and this is launching in, like, months. And so, like, unless yeah. they're delaying that, like, we will see it on, like, those fossil watches and stuff. And whether it'll be the full thing or it'll be good remains to be seen. But, like, theoretically, this should have been that, and instead we're not getting it until late fall. 
Health Connect is going to be dependent upon Wear OS as a system, is right. it not? So I, it's going to be a matter of watches have to get updated to support it, not just that apps have to be updated for it. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm still a little murky on that. But yeah, I agree. Having us wait till November is too long. If it could have come out in July alongside the Buds, that would have been great. Yeah. And then the Pixel 7 and 7 Pro could have just lived on their own. Because now the Pixel Watch kind of stole the show at I.O. And now the Pixel Watch is going to act again, steal the show whenever the Pixel 7 and Pixel 7 Pro get announced this fall. Because that's going to be more interesting than the phones. Because the phones are not super huge changes. Well, and they're also going to be competing against new Samsung wearables in like three months. Yes. How many people are going to be like, oh, November? I'll just buy the Samsung one that comes out in August then. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not wait. I've been waiting a year for this. I'm not, or really, I've been waiting five years for this. I'm not waiting any longer. Yeah, no, it's not great, especially because we know that watches from other manufacturers are going to get the new Wear OS sometime this year. And I'm really hoping that they're not going to have to wait for the Pixel Watch to come out because that would suck. So everything else is going to get Wear OS 3 and then we're going to get a Pixel Watch. And I feel like it should be the other way around. Yep. Except the Pixel Watch won't have Wear OS 3. It'll have Wear OS 3 point whatever and look a little different and be a little better and everybody's going to be mad. Nobody's going to be happy about this, right? Because the Pixel Watch is not going to sell in nearly as much volume as the galaxy watch 4 but no. it'll have a slightly better user experience and anyway. but there is one exclusive from the pixel watch that i'm super pissed is not going to be available anywhere else until at least november the google home app for wear os they said it's coming to the pixel watch first which means we don't get it until at least november probably don't get it until 2023 and the google home app for your wrist is something i would kill for right now except you don't need it cuz you'll have google assistant and you don't need apps on your wrist because apps are dumb and nobody's actually going to use them at least give me like the app itself probably isn't going to be quite as useful as using it on your phone but being able to have a tile on my watch that is like shortcuts for a couple of like big lights like bathroom lights on off living room lights on off that would be super useful for me Considering I don't carry my phone everywhere in my apartment. Well, then you're just so, going to have to wait. I so am, and I'm super pissed about that. All right, let's 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 move on. We want to talk about the last couple of quick things. Google is building a tablet. What the frig? I mean... They're calling it a Pixel tablet, but a lot of us think it's not actually just going to be a Pixel tablet, considering the Pogo pins that they showed on the back of the tablet, not the bottom of the tablet. A lot of us think this is going to be a Pixel tablet that actually turns into a Google Home Hub, which makes all the sense in the world and honestly would be the best way for Google to squeeze back into tablets because it makes more sense than just debuting a solo tablet in this market. Also, this tablet doesn't really match the design language for much of the other current Pixel lineup. And it has white bezels instead of black. It has it no has... design language. <laughs> yeah, it's it is not, it, it doesn't have one. It's just a blank slate. I mean, for better or for worse, right? The back yeah. of it looks like the $329 iPad. iPad. Exactly. That yeah. photo is exactly, that is exactly the, the iPad. It's true. Yeah. But everything else is just nondescript. And I guess that's exactly what you want a tablet to look like if you're going to be placing it on a stand 
or a dock for most of its yeah. life yeah. and have it necessarily be pretty robust because it's going to be in the kitchen or in a bathroom or something, right? Yeah, if they can target the $329 iPad, because like I, I know some people don't like the bezels and I don't like the white bezels. I don't really care about how big they are because it's a, it's a tablet. But if they can target that like low to mid range 329 iPad and then also have it be like a smart home hub, like that is the one thing That's that perfect. would make me be like, oh, maybe there is an Android tablet that matters. That's like the closest I could see it coming. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I really hope that they aren't trying to go ultra premium with this. And that's going to be the thing because yeah. everything Pixel makes except for the A-series. And they are not calling this an A-series tablet. They are calling this the Pixel tablet. I don't think they're calling it anything yet. Well, that is true. But everything that is not A-series, Google positions as a premium device with a premium price tag. This could be a and Nest product. Really... You don't know. I mean, it's possible <laughs> it will be Nest branded. And in that case, we should expect an entry level or kind of a medium price of like 400, 500 bucks comes with the dock. I don't know. I think this is exactly what Google has been trying to do with Android 13, making tablets a little bit more functional and work into the way that people live their lives. I would expect that there's going to be some sort of entertainment style hub or, or like some when it's docked, it'll, it'll have a little bit more of like a Google Home style interface. And then when it's not, it, it'll just default back to a standard Android 13 UI. And I don't know, I would not be surprised if this costs like 400 bucks personally. I think that's like the max it should, if it's, if it's above 400, like, I don't know, they're not going to compete with the 329 iPad. Yeah, at all. exactly. It has to be down market rather than up market. This will be coming next year, which we don't know much about. Let's finish off talking about these AR glasses that Google teased at the end of the keynote. Right now, we don't know anything about it. It was just a quick video focusing on automatic translation. It's very clearly based on technology that North was building, uh, which Google acquired a couple of years ago. Um, North obviously made the Focals by North, which were a pair of very chunky AR glasses. It's a Canadian company that you have to actually go to a store to, to have them measure your face uh, to build these. They were pretty terrible. I mean, I owned a couple of pairs because my first pair didn't work properly, and they ended up refunding everybody who bought one. But at the end of the day, there was a lot of potential, and I think these are going to be a much more purpose-built, but they're also looking, I mean, at least the prototype looks a lot sleeker than the North Focals were. I don't know, Will, does this interest you at all? I mean, did they show off anything besides captions and, and the translator? Because with that, like, no. not, I'd really have to see something that builds into my daily life in term, in to, to, like, switch out my glasses for, like, AR glasses that I have to plug in every night. Like, just adding another thing that I have to plug in every night. I see, like, I, I think it's really cool technology and I see the potential there and I can see how it would build into the lives of you know a lot of people like a this lot is of a people. great accessibility device it, like it is it's just like for me personally like what i like right now based on what i've seen would i go out and buy one for myself like probably not yeah like the ability for this to help people who are hard of hearing help people who deal with multiple languages multiple times a day that they may yeah. or may not know like there are so many uses for this i want to borrow a pair of these frames and just walk around walt disney world and see the number of languages i just run into because if you go to a Disney theme park, you're probably going to hear five to ten different languages by the end of the day. 
it's cool. It's also one of those things that's like, if you don't know what which language is which, it also can get a little confusing. You're, you're also <laughs> going to need really good beamforming microphones to like hone yeah. in on somebody's... Because these aren't gonna. Oh, this doesn't have cameras, so it's gonna use microphones to to make that yeah that, make that call. Otherwise, you're gonna get a lot of gibberish in your eyes. Oh, I think you're gonna get a lot of gibberish in crowds anyway. But you'd be surprised how dense crowds are here. But I can see so many uses for this, especially for as people get older and people are starting to get harder and harder of hearing. Having this would be so helpful for them as well as for people who are deaf and need something to caption people who are just normally speaking to them because when they go out into the world, there's a lot of people who they are going to interact with who do not know how to sign, unfortunately, because ASL is not something that is as widely taught as it probably should be in the United States. Yeah. So this is... This is also probably a couple this years This is great. Out. I want to see oh, this yeah. exact... I want to see a more refined version of this product that gets sold to those people I'm also hoping that we get AR glasses that are slightly more advanced for the people who are, expect them to actually like do things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, this technology is like incredible for the people who need it or, or want it. And like, I would like to see that come to market, but also I can't help but look at this and be like, well, they should build lens capabilities into this somehow. I don't know how, but they should. Like, that's clearly the obvious, like I can go to the store and I can look at something in Walmart and I can see price comparisons on Amazon to decide whether I should buy, you know, which like is probably way out of the scope of how this would end up, how, how this could work. Like Google's not putting a well. camera on AR glasses for it, a well, while. Right. That, They're leaving yeah, all the that to face to meta right now. Well, there would be an interesting way to do that, but that would be that you hold your phone up to the thing and the display and and the results go to your display rather than going to the phone. No, I, but at that then, point, they can just go to the yeah, phone. Then you just have this the is phone. True. No, that's the whole point yeah, of this no, it, is that you don't need your phone. Yeah. Audio is a thing that is easier for Google to parse, especially on device, because we did not see what this was paired with and what was helping all of those things or if it was all actually happening on the glasses and if that was all actually happening on the glasses itself that was amazing it's a very good first step it was a great product proof of concept i want to see where they go next with it but ar stuff that is based on sound i think is going to be where google focuses for a while because that's where they already have such amazing knowledge and skill because they have been using this for assistant for god knows how many years there was more to Google I.O. And if you're interested in learning about everything that was talked about during the keynote, we have a massive roundup that Will spent a very long time writing to yesterday and today. Yep. So, you know, let him earn his salary. Give it a visit. <laughs> Go to uh, AP.com. Uh, let us know what your favorite parts of Google I.O.'s keynotes were. If you're a developer, I'd love to hear from you um, about how you feel Google is doing in terms of giving you the tools to build better products on Android, on Chrome. We didn't even talk about Chrome um, no, you know, across, the, across the different platforms. Obviously, Google I.O., it's a developer conference, so there's a, a, a big part of that, that that we missed, but I'd love to get some developers on to talk about it. That's it. I just want to give a, a quick PSA. Thank you so much to everybody who's tuned in to our first few episodes. I'm going to be away for the next couple of weeks. My wife is about to give birth 
uh, to a baby boy. Knock on wood, everything goes well, but I'll be off for two weeks. Uh, so Ara, Will, and Jules, and, and uh, we'll hopefully have a fourth person to fill in for me. But yeah, I, I want to make sure that uh, you know we, we have a continuity plan because uh, you know, I, I know that's, that's very important. Uh, Will, we haven't given you the chance to plug yourself if there's anything you want to plug other than your other podcasts. But given that this is your first show, go ahead. Yeah, um, I mean, you can follow me on, on Twitter. I, it's Will underscore Saddleberg, I think. Uh, my, the spelling of my last name you can find at Android, please. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have a ton else going. I'll have podcasty related news uh, on my Twitter at some point. So that, that's probably the best place to find. I'm very excited to Android, hear. please stuff. To listen yeah. to this now. Yeah, it's it's coming. Up. I I have I have all three episodes recorded and, and produced. They're just uh, just fine tuning now. That's it. That's all editing is. You can find Ara at Ara Wag Co. You can find Jules at Point Jules. You can find me at Journey Dan. You can find all of us at Android Police. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Take care. Bye bye.